Well, last week we started this series called Who Are We? And uh, we started last week by talking about some of the different things that we may be as a church. We said that we're diverse. We come from different cultures. We speak different languages. But we said last week that we are one body, but there are many parts of the body. There's one body, but there are many parts. There's, there's one body of Christ, but within the body of Christ, there are many different parts. We said last week that Jesus is the head of the church. And we're going to touch on that again today. But Jesus is the head of the church, so He ultimately is in charge of the church. He is in control of the church. We said last week that your value in the body is not based on what you're not or who you're not. Your value in the body is based on who you are. It's based on the gifts that you've been given. He said, like, my right hand, God determined that it should be here in my right hand. My heart, God determined that my heart should be at the exact place it is. He determined that it should play the role that it plays. He determined that my muscles would be in the right places and that my muscles would do a certain role, play a certain role in my physical body. And if God is that concerned about my physical body, surely He is even more concerned about the body of Christ, the church. And so where, whoever you are and whatever gifts you are, have and whatever place you feel God has called you to serve, I want, you to, I want to remind you again today that I believe that that is exactly where God wants you. You're not here by accident. You didn't come to know Jesus by mistake. And He has a purpose for you. Your value in the body of Christ is who you are, not who you're not. So stop looking around and saying, if I could only do that, if I could only do that, then I would be useful. If I only had these gifts, if I could only, you know, this or this, if I was only like so-and-so, then I could be of service to God. That's just not true. You are valuable because of who you are. And this week we want to answer the question, what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? What is the reason for knowing our mission? What is the, the purpose for knowing this thing? Why do we want to know what our mission is? You see, if we don't have a clear understanding of what the mission of the church is, we may spend our energy running all over the place and spending it on all kinds of things. And so some people may think, this is what we should be doing, and so we pour lots of energy into that. And other people think, this is what we should be doing, and so we pour lots of energy into that. We need to come under Scripture and see what is, it, what is the mission that the church has. What was the mission that the church was given so that we all together pour our energy into the thing that God has called the church to be? So it's important for us to all be on the same page as to the mission that we're on. For example, Starbucks. Anybody know Starbucks' mission statement? Has anybody ever spent money at Starbucks? Ah, it's cool. Most of this side of the room... You guys are too old and too wise to know to spend that kind of money on coffee, right? It is a much cheaper at home, and it tastes not quite the same, but it's good. Here's Starbucks' mission statement. To inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. 
To inspire and nurture the human spirit. So when you walk into a Starbucks, you're going to hear someone say, how can I help you? Not, can I take your order? Because you're more important, or at least they present that, that you're more important than what you purchase. How can I help you? When you walk into a Starbucks, you'll see a nicely lit place. You'll see couches, not white lights and hard seats. Because they want to inspire you. They want you to walk in there and just be like, man, I feel good about myself. One person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. That's Starbucks' mission statement. And I guarantee you, every time someone is hired at Starbucks, this will be the first thing they will throw into this person's face and say, can you come under this mission statement? This is also why you will rarely see Starbucks employees miserable. And they, it does happen. I was in Charlotte Airport, and um, I'm standing outside there, and flights were delayed and all that stuff, and so I'm like, man, I'm in a, there's a Starbucks. I'm going to go get a Starbucks, and I just happened to come kind of around the corner, and here the two girls in the Starbucks are just verbally assaulting each other. And they were just mad and mad. Man, they're just saying, well, you're this and you're just a worse person to work with and blah, 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 blah. You should have seen them when I walked in. How are you, sir? <laughs> and so the pastor and me just came out. I couldn't help it. So I look at these ladies and say, things not go good between the two of you? And they're kind of like, oh, you can tell? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I just wanted to lean on the counter and say, come on, ladies, talk to me. <laughs> and then give me my free drink, you know? Uh, if I'm helping you, help me and save me about six bucks, you know. And so I didn't do that. They probably went right back to fighting right after I left. But Starbucks knows its mission. Apple knows its mission. Microsoft knows its mission. GM knows its mission. And the people at the head office, they're focused on doing nothing but fulfilling their mission. And so the church needs to do the same thing. You see, if we do not have a clear understanding of the mission, we will waste energy on things that have nothing to do with the mission. And so we don't want to do that. So today we want to answer the question, what is the mission of the church? And I need you to all get your Bibles out. Because I want you to see this in your own Bible. I want you to see this. I want you to highlight it. I want you to read this over and over and over. So this is going to be our mission statement. This is something that we are going to build everything off of. This is the tap that all of our stuff is going to come out of because this is the mission that I believe Jesus has clearly called the church to. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now, Matthew is the writer of this book. He's one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus called him as he was still a tax collector, and he said, Matthew, follow me. Give up that old lifestyle. Come and follow me. And so Matthew did. And so Matthew has been walking with Jesus. He's been taught by Jesus. He's been listening, and he's been receiving from Jesus the things that Jesus wanted him to see. And he's told us in the book of Matthew all the things, that, a lot of the things that Jesus has taught. He has shown us all these things and so now we're at the end of the book. And Jesus has done all these things. And so now Matthew brings us to this final meeting place with Jesus and his disciples right here in Matthew chapter 28, verse um, 16. Jesus is, he came as a, as a baby. He taught. He did miracles. 
He led this small group of disciples. He was crucified on the cross. He, was ro- he rose from the dead. And now He has finished everything that He needs to do to save us from our sins. And now He's meeting up with His disciples one last time. Let's, let's read what it says here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, a long way from Jerusalem, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So his disciples, they go back to the place, back to Galilee, back to the place where everything kind of began. This is where the ministry began, and so his disciples are going back into this place. There's only 11 of them, because Judas, who betrayed Jesus, has taken his own life. And so here comes this group of disciples gathering back together, regrouping one last time before Jesus will ascend to heaven to receive their final instructions from Jesus. Verse 17. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. So when these guys see Jesus, Jesus who is now in His glorified body, He's no longer restricted to human conditions. He's able to move around. He's able to appear. He's able to transcend time. He's no longer restricted to His human body. He is now in His glorified body. And when the disciples again see Him, because they've seen Him already a few times, when they see Him again, they do the only thing that's possible. They worship Him. But some still doubted. This same hesitance, this same little faith that has characterized these disciples through the Gospels, is there even at the very end. There's this hesitancy. Are you really risen? Is it really you? I don't know about you, but that comforts me a little bit because there are times in my life, even this morning as we're singing, and it's like, really? Do I really believe the truth of that? And sometimes you will find yourself maybe called into something that you're like, I just, there's a hesitancy. But these disciples, if you know history through his, historians, we read that every single one of these disciples, except for John, gives his life for this truth. So even in this moment of hesitancy, they were still obedient. So even when we sometimes hesitate a little bit and say, like, I'm not sure I get everything, you can still be obedient. And John, he also was obedient, but he was able to die as an old man. All the other disciples were martyred for their belief in Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, So he got these guys kind of hesitant a little bit, and they're, you know, they're not sure. They got some questions. And it's like Jesus, again, he recognizes that in these guys. And you can just picture Jesus kind of coming into their midst and coming into their circles. And it's like, come on, guys, come close. And listen to what he says to them. I believe that these are some of the key verses in all of Scripture. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We cannot miss the importance of this verse. 
We cannot miss the importance of the message and the meaning of this verse. Now that Jesus has done everything that He can do for our salvation, God has now given Him all authority. Sometimes people ask me, why do you Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Why do we Christians believe that there's no other way? What if people are just good? What if they follow this God? What if they follow this? What if they do these kind of things? What if they believe in this religion? What if they all these things? Why is Jesus the only one who you guys claim can lead people to heaven? Now we say there's two reasons. Number one, Jesus is the only one who's ever died for our sins and was raised to life, defeating death. And number two, Jesus is the only one to whom all authority was given. He is the only one who can stand at the gates of heaven and say, you're in, and you're not. That's a hard message, but that's what Jesus is saying here. All authority has been given to me. Last week we said that Jesus is the head of the church. Now I want us to understand, Jesus isn't just symbolically, or a symbolic figure of the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the one to whom all authority has been given. So here's the key for us as a church. If the church does not come under the authority of Jesus, it cannot fulfill the mission of Jesus. Let me say that again. If the church does not come under the authority of Jesus, it cannot fulfill the mission of Jesus. Okay, some of you, you need to be writing that down. That's good preaching right there. I believe that. Because if we as a church are going to say, yeah, we want to decide what we want to do, and so we'll decide how we're going to fulfill the mission of Jesus, that's not going to work. If you're a Christian, your first priority is to come under the authority of Jesus as a believer in Jesus Christ. So if you want to do the things that God is calling you to do, the first thing you must do is say, I submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Now we don't like that term. If I would go to my brother Jake here and say, hey Jake, you're going to be under my authority. Well that sounds like he's being suppressed and sounds like he's being you know, held back. So when we have this image of coming under the authority of Jesus, some people see that as oppressive. But when we understand what Jesus does, we see that it's liberating and freeing. Coming under the authority of Jesus gives us life because Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I have come to set the captives free. So if we come under the authority of Jesus Christ, we are actually freer than if we're not under the authority of Jesus Christ. So this means that we must first and foremost, in our journey as a church to recognize and to know the mission of the church, we must first and foremost see Jesus as our head. And see that he has all authority. So we as a church need to see ourselves as a new Walmart employee does. He just received his job. He'd only been on the job for three days. And he was the low man on the pecking order. He had no authority. He was standing with his broom near the entrance of the store when an angry customer came walking into the store because they had purchased something that didn't turn out the way they wanted. And so they were angry. And so this customer walks up to this young man. He says, young man. I want to speak to someone with a little authority around here. And this young guy looking around doesn't know what to do and he's leaning on his broom. He says, well, sir, you might as well talk to me because I guess I've got just about as little authority around here as anybody. 
Thank you for laughing. <laughs> we need to see ourselves like that. We are not the ones with the authority. But church, let me tell you, we forget that. We forget that. Leaders, we forget that. Jesus must always be the one through whom we receive our direction. He is the one. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. It covers the whole scope of the universe. So having said that, Jesus now says, all authority has been given to me. Verse 19, what's the first word? Therefore. Therefore. So in a sense, Jesus is saying, now that, now that he has taught them, now that he has performed miracles, proving that he is the Son of God, now that he's died on the cross and raised, been raised to life, finishing everything that needed to be done for our salvation, now that he has been given all authority, therefore... Or maybe he was looking at his disciples and he said this, Listen up. Now that I've done all these things, therefore, listen up, because the next thing I'm going to tell you is as a response to all these things that have been done. It is a response to the authority that I have that has been given to me. So we should be listening very carefully now. Therefore, what's the next word? Say it with me. Go. Therefore, go. Go and do what? Build big buildings? Nothing wrong with that. Run great programs? Nothing wrong with that. Sing great songs? Have a great gathering? None of these things are wrong if they are part of fulfilling the mission. So what does Jesus say, though? Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's our mission. Make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. That, friends, is the mission of the church. And I believe sometimes we take the Great Commission, we say, oh, that's what missionaries are doing. No, 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 no. That's Jesus speaking to his disciples and saying, therefore, now that all authority has been given to me, go. Make disciples. Baptizing people. And teaching them everything I have commanded you. So to make this easier to remember, let me say it like this. The mission of the church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. The mission of the church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now this is important because we need to unpack this so that we understand what we mean by that. And I don't mean to sound harsh here, but let me just come across as what I believe this means. This does not mean that we go and we have people recite prayers and now we say, oh, there you go. You said the prayer after me and now you're a Christian. 
You put your hand up at the right time and now you're a Christian. You came to the front and now you're a Christian. No, we need to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ because I think sometimes the church has told people, all you got to do is say this prayer and you're saved. And the problem with that, there's no proof of that in Scripture. To be saved is to come fully under the authority of Jesus Christ. Not just quickly recite a prayer so that you can go sit on your hands and do nothing. I'm reading this book right now called Artificial Maturity by Tim Elmore. And so if you have parents, a little plug in here for the book. Parents, if you have small kids... I want to encourage you to read this book. Parents, if you have teenagers, if you have people in this sector over here, young adults going to university, you want to read this book. Artificial Maturity by Tim Elmore. What is artificial maturity? He explains it this way. Two things. Children who are overexposed to information far earlier than they're ready. And secondly, children who are underexposed to real-life experiences far later than they are ready. So this is this. This overexposed, underexposed produces artificial maturity. It's a kind of new fool's gold. It looks so real because kids know so much, but it's vertical because they have experienced so little. So give me an example of this. This is the kid who graduates from university with top marks. This kid knows more than they will ever know to use, but this kid couldn't fix themselves supper if their life depended on it. That's artificial maturity. I know all kinds of things, but I have no experience in life. I know all kinds of things, and so I confuse knowledge with wisdom. I know of a person who went to university to become a mechanic. And so they learned all these things, spent three years in university learning how to become a mechanic because he wanted to be a successful mechanic. His first day on the job, he's working away, putting into practice all the things that he had learned. And his boss comes up to him and says, what are you doing? Well, I learned that to diagnose this truck, you need to do this and this and this. And his boss said, no, 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 in the real world, this is how we do it. I'm not opposed to education. But what we want to do is we don't want to just know about Jesus. And so for us as a church, we want to make sure that when we lead someone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, that we lead them to understand more than just knowledge, but we lead them to understand what it really means to give their lives to Jesus Christ. The mission of the church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We must do more. We must make sure that when someone encounters Jesus that they have the full picture of who Jesus is. What did Jesus teach? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Listen to the hard teachings that Jesus gives here. He said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for me will find it. To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, again, I can't overemphasize this, is to come under the full authority 
of who Jesus is. He is the one who must rule our lives. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We need to teach people all the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. This takes us to Matthew chapter 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount, where in these three chapters we read about all these different teachings that Jesus did. Now there's many more in Scripture, but if somebody ever says to you, what are the teachings of Jesus? It is so easy for us to say, go read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in these three chapters you will read of all kinds of different things that Jesus taught. In these chapters, he teaches people, he taught us to be salt and light. He teaches about giving to the needy. We are taught about fasting. We're taught about worrying. We're taught about prayer and loving our neighbors and our enemies. We're taught about storing up treasures on heaven and how to be a wise builder. And many, many other lessons that are taught in these three verses. So leading someone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is to teach them everything that Jesus has taught. We cannot simply lead someone to encounter Jesus and then leave them to figure things out on their own. Church, we have a responsibility to teach, to be an example, and to lead. The church can so easily slip into thinking that the mission is about us. The church is the body of Christ. And it must submit to the authority of Christ. We're going to wrap up today singing the song, Our God. And in this song, the bridge says, If our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against What a great comfort for us to know that the last things that Jesus said to his disciples, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as a church, we need to buy into this. We need to recognize that if God is for us, then he will help us to fulfill his mission. And if we surrender ourselves to his mission, if we surrender ourselves to say, we come under your authority, Jesus, to fulfill the mission that you have called us to, there is nothing that can stand against us. We have to believe that. Because as we go out and as we try to live our lives as believers of Jesus Christ, there will be obstacles. There will be people who will oppose us. We will fail. We will make mistakes. But if we have surrendered ourselves fully to Christ, there's nothing in this world that can stand against. Are you in? It's going to take a lot. It's going to take more than a hoot. promise you that. Church, let's come under the authority of Jesus Christ. Let's never think that we can then not also be about the mission of Jesus Christ. We have this beautiful promise of Jesus saying, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So church, if we come under the authority of Jesus Christ, and we are about the mission of Jesus Christ, let's stop worrying about our obstacles because they've been defeated. 
There is no obstacle that can stand in our way if we have fully surrendered ourselves to Him. So this goes two ways. This is also for you as an individual. It's for us as a body, but it also goes for you as an individual. If you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this doesn't mean that there will no longer be hardships. Hardships are going to come. Just this week, you know, people found out that someone in their family was ill. And we don't understand why these things happen, but these things do not need to stand in your, in your path as something that will stop you in f- fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. These things cannot stand against you. If you feel right now that you're not where you're supposed to be, I want to challenge you. Come under the authority of Jesus Christ. You may feel like, well, that's so suppressive, that's so hard. Jesus himself said to the people in this mountain, he said, you know, if you love your father or mother more than me, you cannot be my disciple. And a lot of people looked at him and said, this is a hard teaching. Who can do this? And Jesus looked at his disciples and they said, are you going to leave me also? And his disciples said, where are we going to go? And I trust that that's your decision today. Jesus, this is hard. This is difficult. Because I have my own ambitions. I have my own things that I sometimes want to do. And so surrendering fully to you, Jesus, hey, let's acknowledge it can be difficult to do. But Jesus, where else are we going to go? Because you're the only one to whom all authority has been given. Jesus, you're the only one who can set the captives free. Church, I want you in. I want us all in on this. Because this is the mission. To lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. See, I did a little bit of math. And you guys all know I'm not very good at math. But here's a little math I did. See, if every single one of us leads someone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? We'll double. You see, to lead someone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus means that they will then also lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, and then they will lead someone to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I can't say it any faster than that. We don't want to lead people to become Christians who sit on their hands and do nothing. I just don't find that in Scripture. So you may need to do some internal work in your own life, like I've had to. Say, what does this mean for me? Because I want to be in. I want to be in to do the things that Jesus has called us to do. So let's sing. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Higher than any other. And if our God is for us, what can stand against? Amen? Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. And if there's a non-Christian sitting here today, they may be going, whoa, what's this all about? Jesus, we know that you're the one who draws people in, and so we pray, Holy Spirit, draw them in. For those of us who've given our lives to you, I pray we never confuse who has control. 
that that authority is always yours, Jesus. I pray for us as leaders of this church, I pray that we would always see you as the one who has authority. This is your church. But Jesus, we want to fulfill your mission. So I pray, give us places, give us opportunities where we can lead people to become fully devoted followers of you, Jesus Christ. I thank you that you are with us and you've promised to be with us to the very end of the age. I thank you, Jesus, that when we're with you and when we're fulfilling your purpose, there's nothing that can stand in our way that you will accomplish what you want to accomplish because you have been given all authority. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for what you will do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.